Hello all, and welcome to Current Account with Clay Lowry, the Executive Vice President here at the Institute of International Finance. The purpose of this podcast is to bring to your attention current issues in international finance and economics, as well as provide a U.S. policy and politics angle on these different issues. Clay, over to you. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Current Account. I'm your host, Clay Lowry. Today, I want to talk about the G7 summit, which is taking place from June 26th to June 28th, right after the recording of this podcast in the Bavarian Alps. Today, I want to give you some basics on what is the G7, and then to talk about the agenda that's going to be taking place. To start with the basics, what is the G7? It's comprised of the heads of state from Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the United Kingdom, and the United States. The chair of the G7 is held on a rotating basis every year. And this year, Germany is the chair, and that's why it'll be taking place in Germany. Germany has also invited leaders from other parts of the world, such as Argentina, Senegal, South Africa, India, and Indonesia to be guests at this year's summit. And not surprisingly, President Zelensky from Ukraine will also join virtually to discuss what's been happening with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the situation there. Why have a G7? The G7 is there to basically see whether or not heads of state of major advanced economies that can have an effect on the world and try to help set the agenda. It comes out of the 1970s energy and currency crises with the first one of the G7 leaders being held in France in 1975. Over time, the G7, in some respects, has lost some of its relevance. Partially, that was because other countries became just as important in the global economy, and the G7 could only have so much of an impact on what was happening in the world. During the global financial crisis back in 2007 through 2008, the G7 became the G20 leaders meeting. And that was to try to get many, many other important countries in the world engaged in the system, such as India and China, South Korea, Australia, and a number of other countries. But one of the problems that has come up over the last 12 years is the G20 has started to lose some of its relevance because you have major disagreements between a number of countries, particularly the United States and China. And then most recently, of course, is Russia's invasion of Ukraine has made Russia somewhat of a pariah among a number of the countries in the G20. So while Vladimir Putin will definitely be at the G20 leaders meeting in November, it's hard to get things done now in the G20. So that is why the G7 has started to become slightly more prominent once again. Now, what are the areas that the G7 can work on? Russia's invasion of Ukraine has taken over as priority number one for the G7 leaders meeting. And just a few days after, there will be a NATO leaders meeting, which is going to focus much more on military and defense capabilities regarding Russia's invasion of Ukraine, whereas the G7 will focus much more on the economy situation. I think the most important issue at the G7 will be how to keep pressure on Russia either through ramping up even further financial or sanctions on technology transfers. One proposal that is getting some attention is to find a way to put a price cap on Russian oil exports, 
even to countries that are not taking part in the sanctions program right now. This could theoretically be done through a complicated proposal that would threaten to take insurance away from Russian oil being transported by ship unless a price cap was put on that oil. I say theoretical because it is a new scheme that could be difficult to agree to, difficult to implement, and even the economics of it might be difficult. On top of that, as with all things related to sanctions, the other party, Russia, can react in a way that makes it painful for those implementing the sanctions. Other key issues to watch out for include, first, the food crisis. Last week, this was one of the main points I was making in the podcast and trying to talk about some of the trade implications of the food crisis. Germany has set up what they call a global alliance for food security, and the G7 is going to try to address some of those issues. Besides trade, the other ways to address it are, are there ways to increase the supply of food and fertilizer so that we could try to avoid this food crisis? and to provide financial support, particularly to the most vulnerable countries. And I think that that is where this summit will focus most of its attention. A second issue that is going to come up is climate change. This is something that Germany has felt very strongly should be on the agenda, and it makes complete sense. What exactly they'll get accomplished is more difficult. My understanding is, is that Germany is proposing a climate club which I guess in some respects is a coalition of the willing to see are there areas that can be furthered in, in terms of a decarbonization effort, maybe even finding a way to get a price on carbon. The problem will be is trying to get agreement among all the different countries, even the seven countries, let alone countries beyond the seven. But I think that this will be one of the major topics of discussion. A third major topic of discussion is going to be on global infrastructure. This is something that the United States, but not just the United States, is wants to push more and more. So there is discussion about having a partnership for global infrastructure. Now, in the past, the G7 and, by the way, the G20 have come up with agreements on how do you do more on global infrastructure issues, particularly in how do you make it more sustainable over time. It's easy to have these agreements and to do studies and create pretty good analysis. What is more difficult is finding ways and finding agreement among countries on how to finance these issues, how to come up with public-private partnerships that actually can be executed upon, and how to make sure that the policies can actually invest in infrastructure and do this in a much more sustainable way. The last issue that I think will have resonance is whether or not more financing can be provided to think about pandemics in the future or even post-pandemic recovery. Obviously, the COVID crisis has overwhelmed us in many respects for the last few years. It is still a crisis, particularly in lower income countries, and finding financing that can help on making sure vaccines get around the world is something that the G7 will be trying to focus a lot of its attention on. And now let me do the three, two, one. These are my three takeaways from today's discussion. Two things that are on my radar and my one sports topic. My three takeaways are, one, the G7 summit will be taking place from June 26th to June 28th in Germany. There will be a lot of topics, with the biggest ones being Ukraine and the global food crisis. Although there will be conversations about climate change, 
gender inequality, and global infrastructure. Next, a global governance forum like the G7 can work in the right conditions. For example, all the nations are fighting a crisis, as we saw back in the global financial crisis in 2007 and 2008. They might be trying to fight towards addressing a specific issue, issues such as AIDS or finding debt relief for the low-income countries. But all of these things can break down if there's disagreement among the seven, as one would expect. And third is we are at a turning point. Is the G7 the most relevant body? Over the last 15 years, we would have said, no, it's not. It's the G20. But the G20 has become less relevant because we are seeing great divergences between the countries or among the countries that are in the G20. However, the G7, while maybe there is more unity in values and how to think about governance issues, it doesn't represent nearly as the size of GDP that it once did. And of course, it only represents about 10% of global population. So how effective can one of these global governance bodies be, whether it's the G7 or the G20? Two things that I put on the radar screen. One is, can concrete action be taken by the G7, whether it is on the Global Alliance for Food Security or the Global Partnership for Infrastructure? So we'll be looking forward to see whether or not these plans can be more than plans, but actually will create action. And second, there's a longer term thing to watch. It'll be interesting to see how do these leaders from the G7 deal with a G20 summit that'll take place in Indonesia in November and one at which the president of China will be there, and much more importantly, probably, or much more maybe controversially, the president of Russia will be there. How can that meeting become effective? My sports topic for today is the World Swimming Championships that are taking place in Hungary right now. The World Swimming Championships go beyond swimming, and they go into diving, artistic swimming, and even water polo. There's two stories within it that I thought are worth highlighting. The first is the story of Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky is actually a local for where I live in the Washington, D.C. area. She is very easily, arguably, the greatest women swimmer of all time. She has 21 World Swimming Championship medals, which is the most by any female swimmer. And she is tied for the second most gold medals by any swimmer, only behind the great Michael Phelps. In this year's world championship, Ledecky has already come in first and won gold in the 400 meter and the 1500 meter freestyles. She's also won gold in, in the 200 meter freestyle relay. And in the 1500 meter freestyle, she broke the world record by eight seconds. The second story I wanted to mention was about artistic swimmer Anita Alvarez, who is a two-time Olympian. In artistic swimming, we usually think of it as synchronized swimming. You have to hold your breath for very long periods of time. At the end of her performance in the solo artistic swimming, Miss Alvarez actually fainted in a swimming pool. Thanks to the good thinking of her coach, Andrea Fuentes, who, by the way, was a four-time medalist in the Olympics for Spain, 
she jumped in and saved Miss Alvarez's life. Afterwards, Andrea Fuentes, the coach, said, Sometimes in endurance sports and in other sports, we push ourselves to the limits, and sometimes they are found. And that obviously happened in Anita Alvarez's case. Anita, by the way, did finish seventh in that competition that she fainted at the end of. And in my mind, the person who finished first was her coach. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Join me next week for another episode of Current Account with Clay Lowry. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Current Account with Clay Lowry. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to provide us any feedback or ideas about the show as we're always looking to improve and make these episodes fun and relevant for the audience. You can provide feedback at podcast at IIF.com. Please make sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.